This is Amplify You, the podcast about you discovering your message and broadcasting it to the world. If you're a coach, author, or speaker, you'll want to tune in. If you're looking for the best return on your time investment to get your message out to the world in a bigger way, we're giving you full access and behind the scenes look of how we're running our podcast, how our clients have found success, and what you can do to launch your podcast today. The world needs your message. I'm Michelle Abraham, the host. Join my family as we unleash your unique genius and find the connections you need to launch your adventure today. Join us and let's get amplified. Hello, hello, Amplify You family. Michelle Abraham, your host here today. And I am so excited as I have a great guest for you today. We're diving into behind the mic. Uh, we have a great podcaster with you. Her name is Shannon Peel. Let me say hi to Shannon first before I tell you more about her. Hey, Shannon, how you doing? Good. How are you? I am so good. Well, I'm super glad you're here. We've met a few times at our Connecting Collaborate calls. You piqued my interest with what you do, and I love what you're all about. So uh, first of all, let's just share with our audience, you have a podcast called Brand Appeal, which is so cool because your last name is Peel, P-E-E-L. And the brand appeal is brand with the letter A and then peel as in your last name, which I love it because it's got double meanings. So I um, wanted to share that with our audience first, but then a little bit more about you as well. And Shannon's a brand storyteller who helps people discover what they want to be known for and then craft their stories to connect with those around them. And what I really appreciate is that she's written tons of novels. I understand there's a new one that just happened this weekend. <laughs> so we're going to dive into that in a few minutes. But Shannon, it really explores how she can help clients to become known in the marketplace by using their stories and then saw people ruining their reputation, their brand reputation by telling the wrong story or the right story wrong. And I can totally relate to that <laughs> because I've been on stages sharing my stories and then had a big like no sales at the end of it. And it's like, what? Did something I said was not right. <laughs> so I can definitely relate to that. And I am so glad you're here, Shannon. So welcome to the podcast and let's dive in. Well, thanks for having me here. I'm literally looking forward to this. This is okay. great. Yes, I'm so glad we finally got our schedules aligned and you could be here. And let's dive into why you started your podcast. So what is it about brand? I love the name, by the way, as I mentioned, when I was introducing you, I think you're very clever. Um, why Brand Appeal Podcast? Well, my son, my son encouraged me to do it. He said, you know, mom, we, he's amazing. He's so smart, but we were talking and he wanted to go this day. He goes, you know what, mom, you should have a podcast. You know so much. You're so interesting. You should just have a podcast. And I thought about it and I tried to do one before and it, it really kind of fell flat. And the, you know, when I started doing it through zoom, it became a different entity mm. before it was always trying to get people to come. You had to find the right people and get them to come to the studio. Uh, it, you weren't getting the good stories because it was just whoever you could get in locally. And this way, with Zoom, I'm able to talk to some pretty interesting people that have done some amazing things. And thank God I don't research my guests ahead of time. <laughs> I know you should, but I'm glad I don't because when I'm talking to them and they tell me who they are and what they've done, if I'd known that ahead of time, I probably would have called them up and said, um, yeah, I'm not really big enough or good enough <laughs> to be on my show. 
And it's not about them. It's like totally my own insecurities and my own issues thinking, oh, you know, I'm not big. I don't have a big enough audience. Oh, I'm not important enough to have this person on my show. So, you know, it is really great the way that I do it. I learn about my my guests as my audience learns about my guests. And, you know, like when I found out that afterwards that I was interviewing this guy and he'd been a editor of the Wall Street Journal for 10 years, I just went, uh, oops. <laughs> what? That's pretty and, awesome. <laughs> you know, I've had, and I've had lots of that, lots and lots of those moments, but I'm like, oh my God, you've done what? You are who? You're, mm. You know, I didn't know that that's who you were. And it's pretty impressive, which I really like. I really enjoy talking to the people that I talk to because I, you know, it's about drawing their stories out. And I love stories, obviously, Mm -hmm. but it really is about connecting with them through this thing called a screen. Hmm. What do we do before life of Zoom, right? Like, I remember (laughs) it's so complicated with Skype and like trying to do this like dial up thing. And I remember my uh, mentor in podcasting, James Martello, would tell a story where he was like shared where he was like using a phone with a microphone uh, to the the mouth of the phone. Oh, that would have sounded terrible. Yeah, exactly. Funny enough, though, he used to sell those episodes of the affiliate of his affiliate podcast for twenty seven dollars a month on a monthly reoccurring subscription, and it all was with his podcast interview. How crazy is that? <laughs> that is crazy. That is crazy. But I got to tell you, the first time I in, um, interacted with this type of technology, talking to people face to face through um, the screen. I was 17 years old. Wow. <laughs> now you know how old I really am. So I'm going to let that sink in a little bit. Because we're talking, what, 30 years? 20, 30 years? Mm-hmm. I, had to, I had to go to the, my vice principal of the high school had to drive me to Kelowna to go to the BC Tel um, office and sit in their wow. board. And I thought it was amazing because here I was in Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada, looking on a screen, talking to these guys from IBM in Palo Alto, California, and they were asking me questions about what I thought of their version of the internet. <laughs> and it, it was just me and them in the room. And it was just like, wow, this is like Star Trek. Amazing. It's going to connect us. And now look. Wow. That's it, incredible. <laughs> it does connect us, but in a lot of ways... When we talk this way and give presentations this way, you can really feel disconnected instead of connected. Mm. It reminds me of uh, like an episode of CSI or something where the boss zooms in on the big screen and gives them their orders for this uh, this mission or this job, right? <laughs> Just t- taking you back to like sitting in Kelowna in that boardroom reminds me. Mm. <laughs> Reminds me of that show. And it's interesting, just recently, I've connected with a lot of people I've met on Zoom over the last couple of years in person at events. And there's so many surprising things that have happened, like one's way taller and then another one's way shorter. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like there's so much interesting things that happen outside of this box that we're in talking to each other. Although we feel like we know each other, it's just so nice to see people again in like real skin person to person interactions. Well, let me ask you this. When you meet them in the real world compared to meeting them on Zoom like this, is there a difference in the feeling and the emotion of the connection that you're making in real life compared to virtually? That's a really good question. I haven't, I felt like there's a closer connection in person. 
um, when we meet in person, but I feel like it like, it like amplifies the connection we had online once we meet in person, like it just takes it to the next level. But I feel like, like, I still feel like we've connected in a similar kind of way. Um, Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. It does. It does. I find that because when we're online on zoom like this, we usually come into these meetings with a purpose, with an agenda, with the, our work hat on. We're going to be, right. you know, we're not working. This is our work hat. We've got a purpose. We've only got this hour and that's all it's going to be. So we kind of stay on task. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're, we're networking when the real world or we meet people in the real world, we go off on that tangent and the other tangent. And it's a lot more casual, a lot more organic yeah. than when screen like this. Yeah, it's those three person like the uh, the events that I've been going to in person. I'm virtually right versus like a three day event in person. It's the conversations between the speakers in the bathroom lineups at dinner or lunch that like really gel those convers those relationships. I think of exactly what you're saying there. Like that's what's missing from Zoom. Yeah, and I think it's a big piece that's missing from remote work. I've always been, I mean, I've been a remote worker for, for years before mm-hmm. even, you know, even when I was employed, I worked in, I worked in sales and sales, you get in your car and you drive around and, right. you know, in an office. Um, and you do miss something. Mm-hmm. You miss out on opportunities. You miss out on building really close friendships with the people that you work with, mm-hmm. but you are the one that's always out in the field. The cooler talk you miss. <laughs> the yeah. <water> cooler. <laughs> yeah. Wait, now I know that I've taken this way off of podcasting. So did you want to bring this back to podcasting or? Yeah. Well, or I was just going to dive in actually right where you are because I think it's perfect asking you, you know, from your perspective of brands and this like whole merge onto Zoom and onto line, what is some things like from a brand storyteller perspective that we should be really aware of um, of being on this kind of technology all the time and our brands represented on the social media and everything versus like just from a static website? Well, one of the things I noticed right away with Zoom was people started looking casual. Mm, Yeah. They no longer looked professional. They no longer bothered to be I don't know if it's my age, but you know, if you show up in a in a t-shirt with a cap on unshaven or in the girl's case with a ponytail and a cap on and yep. um, you know, t-shirt, it the professionalism isn't there. It's like, especially if you look like you just rolled out of bed. And yes, I have looked like that many <laughs> yeah. a time. In fact, I've done it many a time. But that doesn't mean that. You know, so if you, it depends on the image that you want. So if you want your brand to be professional mm-hmm. and you want to be seen as a professional in business, you still have to show up on the screen looking professional. And I try to wear the same thing pretty much all the time. This black, this black shirt, a black shirt underneath. Um, the odd time I might put on the green shirt or a red shirt underneath, but I try to keep it like a, like a uniform, I guess. Right. And um, I wear the black because I'm a creative and I feel that that's kind of like, you know, the creative thing to do. Uh, the only thing I'm missing is a French hat, you know, the beret, uh, the black beret and the, in the turtleneck black. Um, so, you know, it's, it's about what you want to portray to the world. You still have to have that image. Yeah. Then when you're connecting with people online, 
there's certain things that we need in order to connect. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to have eye contact. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, the the camera is here and you're here. Yeah. Right? So if I look at you, is we don't have all of a sudden we don't have that eye contact. Mm-hmm. I'm always right? looking at the person on the screen and never looking so, at and I'm always looking at the camera because I know that the person's looking at me on the screen right. and I want to make sure that they feel that I'm paying attention to their story. And as the podcaster, when I'm asking questions, I don't come in with a canned set of questions either. Right. I have one question I ask it every time. Mm-hmm. It's like, what do you want to be known for? And then from there, I just let the conversation go and I listen yeah. and try to find new questions to ask from what they're saying to dive deeper into those concepts around brand storytelling to help my audience find ideas and actionable items that they can go and do to get noticed in the marketplace. So that's my goal. But the only way I can do that is by enabling the person I'm talking to, to feel like they're being listened to. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. So if you're talking to somebody and all of a sudden you see their eyes kind of glaze over or they're like looking around, or maybe you're on the phone with them and you can tell that they're not really paying attention because their voice is kind of like, uh-huh. Yeah. uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And you tell them some stupid thing like I just jumped off the I just jumped off the cliff and you're like yeah oh that's great. <laughs> when it feels like you someone is not listening to you, yeah. do you do you want to open up and continue talking and telling your story? Oh, I shut down completely, and I'm sure a lot of other people do the same. <laughs> okay, not being heard. <laughs> Next, exactly. So you have to do things that enable your audience, the person that you're interviewing to feel that you're listening. So you have to look at them. So if you can, if you really need to look at their eyes, get a camera that plugs in and put the camera in front of the screen close to where you, where their eyes are. A lot of times I'll push the, the, uh, the zoom pictures up to the camera. So at least it looks, I can kind of see where they are, but you can either get the the one and then you got the camera here. You're looking at the camera, but you're also looking at them behind. That's right. a really great way. You screen screen over so that the person who's talking is underneath the camera instead of to the side. So like, you're not talking like this. The worst is like when you're doing a presentation online and you see those little boxes on the side and you're looking at the little boxes while you're talking. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because I'm doing that all the time. Like, oh, what am I doing? Okay. They, they, yeah. They And it looks like you're not paying attention. It looks like you're talking to someone else in the room. And it's really important that you connect and that connection comes from our eyes. The other thing that's really important is you have to talk with your body or listen with your body. Sorry, not talk with your body. Listen with your body. So you're listening with your eyes. You're listening with your body. So you have to lean in and you lean into the camera and you make sure that your hands are seen so that they know you're not typing. They know that you're not clicking around. You're not playing a video game while they're talking. When you're giving a presentation, as I mean, lots of leaders out there, lots of managers out there right now have to give presentations on these Zoom calls and they can see that their people are not paying attention. You know, we, we, that's for sure. (laughs) We think that because we're looking at the screen that the person talking thinks that we're working, but they can tell that you're looking, that you're doing something else because your eyes are going all over the place. Your eyes are going here while your Facebook feed is going. They can tell that you're not really paying attention to what they're saying. So if you want to 
to seem like, okay, I'm, I'm paying attention. You need to lean forward. You need to make sure that they can, no, your hands don't have to be like here all the time, but you know, every once in a while, bring your hands up or do what I do is I talk with my hands a bit, yeah. but it's, <laughs> a, it's that lean in when we lean in, it's, we're listening. It's a lot of times you all go like this, mm. you know, cause that's like the thinker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got that thinker look going, you know, it looks like you're interested in what they're talking about. Now, Maybe you're thinking about 50,000 other things, but at least you look interested. So they open up and when they open up, they start telling more of the story. And it's your job as the podcast host just to hold that space. Love it. The other thing is you got to learn how to listen with your mind. I don't know about you, Michelle, but I, my mind used to go, my, my, my mind goes a mile a minute, but I used to like, you're listening and your mind is thinking about 50,000 other things, going down three different rabbit holes. And you're thinking about tomorrow, yesterday, the thing that your kids, the thing that you got to do the other day. Hey, will I ever find a boyfriend? You know, those kind of things going through your mind. <laughs> you're not really paying attention to the person that you're that you're interviewing. Well, you have to pay attention to the, what, what the person's saying if you want to be able to ask them something to, to open up what they're saying more. So when I decided to be an active listener uh, decades ago, I decided that I had to start paying better attention. Which is why when people go, why aren't you writing that down? It's like, well, I'll remember because I am paying attention. I will remember. <laughs> but what it was is they would talk, I would think it. So whatever word they said, I repeat it to myself in my mind in order to make sure that I was focused on what they were saying. Mm. And that sounds really crazy because here, you know, you say something, I think it, you say something, I think it. It's kind of odd. But after a while, my brain created these pathways and now I don't have to consciously think unless I'm listening to somebody and my mind goes off on one way or another and I catch it and then I go back and I, I then I gotta go okay I need to pay attention to this person and I they say a word I think it um but that is a really good way of making sure that you are actively listening to that manager to that guest on your podcast to your husband to your wife to your children yeah be present yeah and being heard is like one of the essential core necessities in life being heard and seen right so that validation is so important I really appreciate what you're saying because I think I know you know I struggled this with a lot in my early years of podcasting is I was thinking what the next question was what's what am I going to ask next especially for conversations like you and I do on our podcast where they're not scripted they're not pre-programmed it's not the same question all the time this fear of not remember not knowing what to ask next prevented me from being a good listener to the to <laughs> I share this story sometimes where Steve Olsher was like uh about 10 years ago I was interviewing him on a summit and he just had this New York Times bestselling book and he was like very succinct media bites he was speaking in and I was nervous and asking questions for the summit and I was so focused on the darn questions that I didn't hear what he said at all <laughs> and so it just made for such a horrible interview <laughs> so it just uh, I, if you are struggling with that, I, I hear you and I'm sure Shannon hears you. We have probably been there. <laughs> I had definitely been there myself. We understand, but Shannon's got some great solutions <laughs> for that. Active listening. <laughs> yeah, mean, active listening. It's important. And uh, my, and if my ex-husband had actually done it, I might know. That's not true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Right. Now you you mentioned that, you know, sometimes brands are ruining their reputation by sharing the wrong story or sharing the right story, but the wrong way. So can yeah. you 
hear what you mean by that and how can we how can we fix that solution <laughs> okay well yeah uh one example i bring up a lot is a recent one if you are if you've ever been if you were on linkedin at some point in this this year you probably saw the guy that posted a picture from crane because he had to lay a couple people off he was trying to say that, hey, you know what? See, CEOs feel bad when they have to lay people off. We're not all jerks. <laughs> and what happened was complete backlash. People made fun of him. It went viral for all the wrong reasons. Um, new, you know, journalists were talking about it. And then he did it again um, when his grandmother died. And people were, once again, way to, you know, way to profit off your grandma's death, right? Just, Shoot. you know, he's not, you know... <laughs> I mean, he's loving it because he's loving all the publicity. But, but, <laughs> but there's publicity that will, that's publicity. Right. And then there's publicity that will get you work. Mm. Right. So he, he had a very important story to tell, mm-hmm. but he told it the wrong way because he told it from a place of victimization. He was the victim in the story and he felt bad because he had to let he had made a bad decision and ran out of money and had to let these people go. And what it did was it elicited sympathy in the reader. And sympathy is not a good feeling. You know, somebody dies, you send them a condolence card, you know, you may take them a casserole. If they're if they're really close to you, you may hang out with them a bit. But after a certain period of time, you're like, oh, I gotta go. Like, can't you get over this? Like I found that a lot of this, like when I got divorced, a lot of people like, okay, you know what, move on. It's time for you to move on. Because they didn't want to sit with me in it. Because I was telling the story wrong. I was telling it from a place of victimization. And it's really easy because my whole story was. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no, you know. But what it is, is you don't want to elicit sympathy. Because when you elicit sympathy, people show up, they, they it's like they sacrifice to the fates or the the fate gods say nope and then they run away and they say okay i i sacrificed that's not going to happen to me because i was there and i helped that person so their misfortune is going to stay with them and it's not going to rub off on me Hmm. and we have a lot of that in this world people who say things like well when one door closes another door opens um anything that that's kind of like get over yourself uh, not list, not listening to the person, not trying to understand where the person's coming from, or I'm really sick and tired of listening to you, like go away. That is a real sympathy reaction. Mm-hmm. If you're going to tell a story like that, mm-hmm. you want to elicit empathy because when you, when you elicit empathy, then people stop and they sit with you. And then together you find the solution to that problem. So this person who let people go as the CEO. First off, he let two people go. Second off, it's a company of about 10 to 15 people. It's a small, it's a medium, small to medium sized company. It's not a big corporation. So, you know, the fact that he compared himself to these big CEOs that were laying people off over Zoom. um, Yeah. Like first off, position yourself right in the story. Next understand that hey you've still got a job you're still the company still your company you've still got people working for you yeah. uh you're not the victim you're the villain of the story 
<laughs> get okay. to run rolls wrong. <laughs> Got to get those rolls right. And then, then the way that it went, like, oh, you know what? I had to lay these people off. Mm-hmm. I made a bad decision. I've run out of money. I've had to lay them off. They're great people. And anyone would be, ha- any company would do wonderful having them on staff. If there's anything I can do for them, please, I will, I will do it because I, I feel terrible that I've had to lay them off and I hope that things will turn around and I can, I can get them back because mm-hmm. I would take them back in a heartbeat. You know, that is a totally different thing than I'm crying because I feel so bad. Mm. We want to talk about our vulnerable stories, the stories that are going to resonate with our audience because that's what we want to do. We want to resonate with them. So that they go, oh, you know what? I, I'm like you. Because we we intrinsically trust that which is like us mm-hmm. and distrust that which is not. Which is why we've had racism and gender inequality and lack of diversity. Right? We go with the people that are that we see ourselves in. We choose the products that, we, that align with our values. And that, you know, I, I drink Coke, not Pepsi. Why? Because I'm a traditionalist. Mm-hmm. I, family is important to me where Pepsi is all looking for the young generation. That's about change. And, um, you know, it's it just a different yeah. set of values and morals. Right. We, that's why we have targeted marketing. Yeah. Targeted marketing tells us who, what the brand is about, but also if you see, know that somebody is, is an Apple user instead of a PC user, you can tell different things about them because of the message that's coming from the brand to that target audience. So that's what you got to think of when you, when you're telling your stories, what details do I want to put in? What details do I leave out? Because I want to make sure that I don't become vulnerable in my vulnerability, but I have to be vulnerable enough that people can resonate with what I'm saying and I can start attracting a diverse group of people mm-hmm. because you know what? We may not look the same, but we have the same experiences. We both got divorced. We both had two kids. We both love swimming. You know, these are things that we don't know until we start telling our stories. Right. So, well, yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I was just going to say one of the, like one of the greatest things about podcasting mm-hmm. is I have talked with these women from all over the world Grown up very in very different cultures and very different environments, but we connected because we shared stories, and those stories were like, "Oh, I get it." There was an empathy there because yeah. we both understood each other because we had both had maybe not the same experiences, but you know, similar enough that we could sit with each other in that conversation and connect. And that's what you want to do with your brand storytelling. Ooh, I love that. And it makes so much sense for podcasters too. So are there any quick tips for podcasters when they're interviewing someone to keep those in mind? Like any quick tips for us, uh, keeping our brand story in mind, being like, there's this thing between like being transparent, being vulnerable, being too vulnerable, vulnerable enough. So our audience likes us and attracts it to us. But I've seen people recently just go way too off the charts with vulnerability and it leaves like that like bad taste 
I need to know about your porn addiction. That as a brand does not make me want to work with you. Sorry. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You you know what? I really did struggle with this too. Because actually, uh, this is probably a great place uh, to talk about this. Because when when I was trying to figure out my brand and who I was, because it had to be a personal brand at first, Mm -hmm. I had to really look at where I was coming from and whether or not I was going to talk about my life Mm -hmm. because so I decided that yes this part of my life was okay to talk about because I wanted to attract people who had hit bottom and had to rebuild Mm -hmm. so me talking about being on the verge of suicide Losing everything I was scared to lose Mm -hmm. and then coming back from it became my hero story because I wanted to attract heroes to my brand and I wanted to inspire other people who were struggling and in that mire and in that pit that I had been in to find a way to get out of it by being stronger in the way that they talk. And using hero language instead of victim language in order to tell their stories. That's a whole other podcast that's coming. That's a whole other program that's coming. Uh, It's probably going to launch in January. But right now, you know, that one's more, it's more of a personal um, story, not the business end of it. The business end of it, I try, you know, I do talk about that as well. I mean, that story's out there. But for the most part, I want people to you have to understand what is it that you want people to know about you? Mm -hmm. What is it that you want people to look at you and go, okay, that is what they're known for. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to my brand, when it comes to my business brand, I want people to think she's a hard worker. She produces amazing content that is mind blowing. She um, is intelligent, smart, and very interesting. So these are all things that I figured out at the beginning. And once I had those words, those concepts, then it was easy to figure out, okay, which stories am I going to tell? Which pieces am I going to tell? Which pieces am I not going to tell? Because they have to reflect this core message that I want to portray, you know, and trying to come across as a, you know, intelligent, strong woman who also battles with depression and fear and um, suicide is my story. So I'm, I do tell a very vulnerable story, mm-hmm. but I tell it from a point of strength that reflects back on my brand that says, you know what? I persevere. I work hard. I don't give up. And that is who I am. And that's who my brand is. So that's really what you're looking for. I mean, but like you were saying, some people talk about their porn addiction. Well, what does that have to? Okay, so you can talk about that. Yeah, but relate. <laughs> figure out what does that say about you? What does that say about your brand? What does that say about what characteristics or what lessons did you learn in that that you want reflected back in your brand story? How powerful to think of like the words you want people to know you by or portray your brand by those words. Like that is such a great 
listeners, I hope you were listening to that because that was a million dollar golden nugget right there. Because thinking about how you want to come across first before weaving those stories, that's brilliant. And, you know, however long I've been in business before, I have never heard anyone say that before. Really? Um, so I've never heard anyone say that before. Oh. So just have to say, Shannon, that was that was amazing. So interesting way of thinking about it before you go start sharing your stories on your podcast, start sharing, even when you start looking for guests on your show, how do you want to have those stories that are going to make the hero journey, like you said, and also make your listeners the hero in their own journeys. And what we've discovered in podcasting is that you don't have to be the expert on the show. You're the guide that's helping them in their own journey in discovering that. And I think that's the magic solution right there, which has been all done pretty wrong across the board for the last little while on a lot of shows. So thank you. for Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, vulnerability yeah. for just like sharing random wrong things that, turn people off. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of it, like, you know, when people start saying, Hey, you got to be authentic and you got to be vulnerable and yeah. you got to be authentic so people can connect with you. Right. It really, it became this license to be rude. Mm. It became this license that, Hey, this is who I am. I'm showing up as myself and you have to like me, even if you don't, mm. you know, there's a consequence. People don't have to like you. Yeah. <laughs> You know, just because you got a podcast doesn't mean people have to like it. Doesn't mean people have to even listen to it. I don't, you know, I think my mom's only listened to one and that's because they're going off to Portugal and I interviewed some guy who imports Portuguese port into the U.S. So I said, hey, you need to listen to this because you're going to go probably see this winery while you're in Portugal because it's been around for 600 years and it's one of the biggest ones in Portugal. So I know that she's listened to that one, <laughs> but other than that, you know, people that love you don't exactly have to like everything that you're doing. You know, or if you're going to show up and do stupid things and say stupid things, be willing to own it mm. and own the consequence of it. It is okay. Hey, especially like in the States right now with all like, yeah. what is it, tomorrow? They, they're, they, is it, they vote tomorrow. Is that it? But anyway, um, I can never remember. It's, it's like the same day every time, but you think I can remember, I can't. Uh, but you know how divided they are right now between in the political, like everything down there is a political issue and they're highly divided. Even Twitter, my goodness. Whoopi Goldberg just said, hey, I'm, I'm getting off Twitter because Elon Musk owns it now, <laughs> you know? And he just kicked off Kathy Griffin for impersonating him. Like, oh my god! And it's just like, oh my! It's it, it's like a one crazy soap opera. It's like, how can anyone? You, you know, you want to sit there and watch it with with popcorn, right? What does that do to those people's brands that are now behaving in that way? Like, there is exactly. no <laughs> Well, I really don't understand why people really think Elon Musk is this great thing because I look at him and go, "What job?" But you know, down there, there's this huge diversity, and people can do go into these camps of social movements or even in Canada. Hey, Canada, we had the, the truckers thing area, right? Yeah. We had the Occupy, um, you know, in the States, they actually went into the Capitol buildings here. We just stand around them and it's the same thing. But 
you can do that as a business or as a person, as long as you're willing to only have those people that are like-minded in your sphere and do business with them. Mm-hmm. And you cannot get upset if someone decides that they don't want to do business with you, if they don't want to work with you, if they don't want to be employed by you, that's okay because you're being authentic to who you are and you're staying within your sphere. Yeah. The minute it becomes a problem is when you start telling people, blaming them for your um, choices or saying you should, I'm a, I, I believe in, um, the convoy and you're wrong because you don't I'm right because I do when you start getting into those arguments that's when you start upsetting people and once you start upsetting people you start creating these you're lecturing at them you're not telling them a story you're lecturing at them you're saying this is the way it is because this is the way I think you're not telling a story anymore you're lecturing and what happens when we lecture we move back. We, we, we bet we, you know, we the barriers between us and who barriers, we right? It's like, boom, defensive automatically. You know, every time my ex was started lecturing me, guess what? Boom, defensive, yeah. defensive Shannon came into the room. And do you think we could solve anything? No, because when you're not coming at it from a story and you're coming at it from a lecture and a blame game, that's when it becomes a problem. So you can be vulnerable and you can be authentic. Just understand what that means. And do not get have a hissy fit, especially on social media, <laughs> if somebody says you're rude. Because chances are you're being rude to them. Yeah. The, your message, when you give a message, when you right now, me talking to you, people out there, hello, hello, hello. What I'm saying, the intent of what I'm saying does not matter. Mm-hmm. What matters is what you're interpreting, what I'm saying. Because that is going to affect how you feel. And as it affects your emotions and how you feel, that will determine whether or not you like me. Now, either I got to be okay with the fact that you don't like me. Mm-hmm. And if I'm okay with the fact that you don't like me and that's okay because this is who I am and I'm really good with who I am, mm-hmm. that's fine. But if I'm going to get upset because you don't like me, then we have, then there's this problem. <laughs> yeah. you know, and then there's this conflict that's going on. And then we have what's happening on Twitter. <laughs> Thank you, Twitter. <laughs> well, I think there's been so many people that say, you know, if you're not, you're not pissing people off, you don't have haters, you're not being like true and authentic and like all these things. And it's just like, do we really have to get to the yeah. hater part to be like sharing an impactful message? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either. I think you can be if, because there are people out there who are people pleasers. That's their authentic self is to please other people. That's authentic. That's okay. There's other people who, you know, are more in the center of the political sphere line or whatever. And they got one foot in each camp and they can see the points of each side. They're very diplomatic, diplomatic, diplomacy. They're very good at diplomacy. Um, That's okay. They don't have any enemies because they're able to compromise, make everybody feel like they've become a winner. That's okay. That's who they are. That's authentic. You don't need to have enemies and haters unless you want them. I mean, Joe Rogan's of the world, they use controversy to get publicity. And by getting publicity, by being controversial, 
they're able to attract more people like them because more people who are like them hear about him. Right. Right. You can sit there and talk about Trump all day long, whether you're for him or against him or whatever. And if nobody hears it, it's nothing. Right. But when you're being so controversial and you're doing it with people that have a name, all of a sudden you get the publicity. And when you get the publicity, people start paying attention and they go, oh, he thinks like I do. And then you start attracting people. And that only happens in controversy because our big media only likes negative. <laughs> no, you know what? Cons- they like controversy. <laughs> they like controversy because we click on it. Mm-hmm. If we clicked on all the happy stories and not the bad stories, non-controversial things, they would give us what we want. You can't blame media for giving us what we want. True. Yeah, very true. They look at an algorithm and they go, this story got us more eyeballs than this story. So we're going to write more stories like this. (laughs) They're they're just giving us what we want. It's just a reflection of society. And we don't want to take ownership of that. So we blame media. Yeah, and prime example of that is the huge popularity of all the crime podcasts. And all the, you know, they've just, they're just exploding. I was talking to a girl the other day, we're going to take on her editing. Her podcast is only a few months old and millions of downloads. I was like, wow, yeah, these really other cool podcasts that are doing so many great things in the world are struggling to get a thousand downloads. I'm like, man... Yeah, you got to talk about something highly controversial and have really loud opinion about it. But it's probably also someone who did the legwork ahead of time. Because a lot of these people that have this overnight success is because they've got big social media accounts to begin with. Or they partner with someone who does. Yeah. And for those who are listening right now that are still on the fence of starting a podcast, what would you say to them right now? Well, first you have to figure out why you want to do it because it's a lot of work and you don't get paid for that work. Mm -hmm. And then one day you're like me trying to figure out, okay, I got my last five bucks. What am I going to do? Pay my rent with five bucks or go over to McDonald's and see if I can buy a little burger. You know, it's, you have to pay attention to the fact that this is going to take you away from your paying work unless you figure out a way to make it work for you. So if you know that you're going to take this podcast and because you want to talk to people who you who would be potential clients, perfect reason to have a podcast. And you're going to enjoy doing it because you're going to be talking to people who wouldn't have talked to you otherwise. Right. And then you can kind of get into a little bit of the sales stuff. And then they're in your email list. If you're doing it because you want popularity and to make a lot of money, then it's not, this is not neat, make money easy, quick, fast. 2018, uh, that's where you should have been at. <laughs> that was, even, you know, what? <laughs> even, even then, you know, even then, because it was more, even more work because they didn't have all the tools, Um, but it wasn't popular, right? Only, you know, so there, yes, there was less podcasts out there, but there was less people listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, and less ways to listen. So if you didn't, you know, only 50% of the population likes Apple. So if they weren't on Apple at the time, then you didn't hear, you didn't hear the the podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is, is if you really want to do it, you got to commit. You got to commit and you got to do it. I mean, the editing alone can kill you. Mm-hmm. 
I, I'm doing way too many things. I'm spread way too thin. Mm-hmm. So don't do what I'm doing. Don't do like when you're doing your, your funnel, your marketing funnel, you need brand awareness. That's your social media, publicity, whatever. Podcasting comes into that authority piece. So if your brand needs to be an authority and be seen as an authority, mm-hmm. then you need to have something like a podcast mm-hmm. or a book or a blog or a magazine, or something that lets people know who you are and what you do, an email newsletter. All of those things are authority. Pick one. Mm-hmm. I've picked all of them. Just you don't have to pick all of them. <laughs> I, I work in, but that's this is the area that I work in. This is the area that I love to help people in is this authority and credibility piece. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you then got to figure out, okay, the next piece is, you know, that you got their interest and now you have to help them make a decision. Well, that's a totally different platform than your podcast. So it's not going to make you sales. It's, it might open doors for you. And there's other ways to profit off of it. Um, which I'm sure you've learned about. Oh yeah. And we teach <laughs> Yeah. And opening doors, using the podcast as a tool, I think is really where people need to focus their attention on making it work for their business is that using it as a leverage piece and authority piece, right? It's it's not a business. Yep. I mean, some people have made it into a business. Yeah. And you can for sure. Yeah. And, and you can, but I would say don't go into it thinking that it's going to be a business. Yeah. Where I think I see the most success with podcasters is in the space where they have a proven program or service already. They are making money in their business. They add the podcasting as fuel to the fire, which then open allows them to get in front of the right people, either join venture partners or potential new clients. And that makes it work for their business. And then exactly. they can have someone else edit it, right? <laughs> or then- yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you have, I mean, I would say have a team. I did 100 podcasts in 100 days. Amazing. So that's 100 one-hour podcasts edited one a day for 100 wow. days. Very cool. That's on your own podcast. You Don't do that. <laughs> that you was on your own podcast. That's great. <laughs> it was on my own podcast. Do not do that. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know, figure out how much time you can, you can apply to it. But the big thing is, is what's holding you back? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you doing it? If it's fear, if you're scared, give me a call mm-hmm. and take my, Hey, let's get over the fear thing. Uh, of course. Cause that's, you know, I, I, I live with fear every single day of my life. I wake up in fear. Mm-hmm. So I have learned how to manage it very well. Um, Cause I do the one thing that scares most people. Mm. I put my work out into the internet. Mm-hmm. I stand up on stages. I leave myself open. I put, you know, I stand there. Hey, look, everybody, look at me. And there's a lot of things that could come at me because I leave myself wide open. And I'm able to do that because I'm able to manage my fear. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a, and that's why I have a program to help people manage their fear because it isn't, you don't have to be deer in the headlights. You don't have to be standing there with your feet in concrete, too scared to talk into a microphone. Yeah, absolutely. I waited four years because I was in that fear of paralysis analysis and 
all sorts of other fear of technology and all sorts of things. So I can tell you, don't wait four years like I did. And in fact, at Amplify You, we have a tagline that says, if you're not embarrassed by your first few episodes, once you get going and 20 episodes in, then you'll wait too damn long to get them out there. That's right. That's right. (laughs) That fear, right? can paralyze you. And so Shannon, where can people find out more about that program? All the other amazing things that you do. I know you've got so many great resources and so many great programs for entrepreneurs, especially if you're confusing your branding, your brand stories, reach out to Shannon. She's a wealth of knowledge. As you can hear, like she knows what she's talking about. She's been there, done that, and has written many books on it. <laughs> can help continues to. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a few things. One, brought by marketappeal.com. And of course, that appeal is spelled wrong. It's market A-P-E-E-L. But you know what? Just Google Shannon Peel and you'll find me. And if you like the fact that I dominate five or six pages of Google, then talk to me about how I did that and how you can do that too. Because that is a big piece as well. You have to have enough content out there that when people Google your name, you show up. So if you just Google Shannon Peel, you'll find me. You'll find marketappeal.com. And it'll take you to that webpage and I'll say, okay, well, here's market appeal. Here's brand appeal. Here's create appeal. Here's book appeal. And here's unpeeled. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and it was like, we can play off of something funny like that. Like, and now you're at the peelers or now you're, you know, whatever you can play off of that. I think it would be amazing. <laughs> like, I, know, I, I need to get, I need to get, well, with create appeal as it grows and as I get people in there. Uh, you know, I'm going to have a group of people in my fans. Like once I get like a lot of fans, it's like, okay, you guys are the peelers. Yeah, I love it. My fans are peelers. Um, <laughs> if you're in the UK, peeler means one thing. If you're in Western Canada, in the Western US, it means something totally different. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you whatever you wanted to be. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Shannon, for being here with us today and Amplify You. It's been a lot of fun chatting with you and make sure you guys go check out Brand Appeal Podcast as well. Leave her a review, give her some love and uh, can't wait to chat again sometime soon. Any last words for our podcasters before we leave today? Oh, well, I could really use that love. Let me tell you, you know, for those po- those people out there who are solopreneurs, single, you know, doing the empty nester thing, you totally know what I'm talking about. Any kind of love is a good love. But if you get on there and find, uh, if you go buy Brand Appeal, you're going to see that you can download my latest little mini ebook. And my little mini ebook is called Brand Appeal. Oh, stock of all stocks. It's only 10 pages and it helps you. It goes into what is brand, brand storytelling and it starts you off on defining your brand story. Mm. And from there, you'll get a lot of information. Awesome. Awesome. All right, you guys, we'll go out there and have a great day. Great week. Shannon, thank you so much again. You've been fantastic. Amplify you, audience, members, family, as we call them. Amplify you, family. Go out there, have a fabulous week. Remember, your voice is important. It needs to get out there in the world. And uh, you are awesome. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you, family, for joining us on this adventure. If you're ready to be heard, head over to mypodcastcoach.com where you'll find out all the tools and tips you'll need to launch your podcast today. If you have a show already and you need some help managing it, please head over to managemypodcast.com and the Amplify You team would be happy to help you manage your podcast. 
please also head over to iTunes, like, subscribe, or review our show so we can spread this message. And until next time, be your own unique genius.